We have Sean and Phil back again for another podcast of Speaking Truth. We'll be back with you in a minute. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very good today. Another good Saturday to talk about the truth of God and see what more information we can get, understand, talk about. So, very good. How's your morning so far? It's good. It's good. No complaints here. Um, this is a little interesting because I'm going to do something here at the beginning we haven't done before. Um, and this is just really a matter of obedience to Yah. I, while I was laying in bed this morning, uh, getting ready to get up for the podcast, Yah spoke a name to me, a, a specific name. Actually, it's, it's names of two people. I. Uh, I don't know who they are. I don't know whether it's speaking to just two specific people or whether it's speaking to uh, anybody uh, that is a married couple or dating couple that carries his name. Um, but the name that was given to me was Aaron and Becky Crenshaw. I, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know an Aaron and Becky Crenshaw. I uh, but what I do know is that uh, God spoke to me and spoke to me and told me that I was going to mention those names. And so obviously this message is for everybody. It, there's no message of truth out there for any one specific person. But there's a reason that God has singled this these two names of Aaron and Becky. And so I, I can't really say what God's going to do with it because I don't know. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they live. (laughs) All I know is that God made it clear to me this morning that this message here is for everybody, but especially for Aaron and Becky. And so Aaron and Becky, whoever you are, wherever you are, I I am sure that God will get this to your ears. And I, my plea to you is just evaluate it and just seek into it to know uh, what y'all speaking to you and how they're speaking to you. And again, this is something that is important from a 
marriage perspective and the key factor in really carrying out any of the truth that we talk about is you have to have the fullness of faith in Messiah. Aside from that, you are not going to be capable of carrying it out. Even if you want to, you can't because you have your lower conscience, your subconscious, that is all about self and making sure that your mind is doing everything it can to protect you in the process of this. And again, the things that are in your subconscious or not in your conscious mind. Uh, so you're not, this is not a uh, thought out process in your conscious mind, but it's a reality that the marriages in this country that are not formed in the faith of God, in the absolute truth of God, and having that in faith, they cannot be achieved uh, to fulfill the maximum uh, pleasure and enjoyability and uh, companionship that God intended in the beginning. And no man by themselves, no woman by themselves can do this. And obviously for both people to benefit, both parties need to be in the fullness of faith so that they are both doing what is right and appropriate according to God and setting aside what the world has told them they need to be. And more than that, being able to dig in and set aside what their programming says that they need to be in the midst of this. And the encouragement is to uh, those that are in faith, those that are seeking faith, you may have an, an aspect of the faith that one, one partner in the relationship is in faith and the other's not. I uh, don't lose hope for that person. I uh, will get into uh, what you can do for the other person uh, to be the best that you can for that person. And ultimately, nobody can get rid of selfishness on their own. Even as we sit here and we talk about circumcision of the heart, we still have a lot of programming within our subconscious, the heart of who we are, that we don't recognize is there. Now, we're in a process of removal of those things. But we still have times where we will act out in selfishness. The key is, is that if you're in faith and you're looking for it, you may not see it before you do it, but you catch it after the fact and then what you do with it after the fact will depend on whether you can catch it while you're in the midst of it and then it will depend on whether you can catch it before you go that way uh what we talk about is a continual process of perfecting as you uh grow and learn to improve yourself 
in the process. And the key factor is this is not about the other person. This is about you and your faith journey and you being and doing what Yah wants you to do, regardless of what the other person does. It's making sure that you're walking in step, that you're looking for your selfishness. And then uh, like in a relationship, when you recognize that you've done something out of selfishness, it would be a good thing to actually bring that up and uh, let that person know that, hey, I, I have these things in my lower conscience as well. I don't agree with them and I'm moving them out. But this situation that took ha- that took place happened because of that selfishness in the lower conscience, and I don't like it, I don't agree with it, and just letting you know that I'm doing my utmost, doing my best to make sure that I'm clearing that out because that's the, the process of circumcision of the heart as we live our life here is the continual removal of things when mother brings them to our attention and lets us see them. And so this is hugely important that you can be in the world and you can be claiming faith in God. But if you haven't walked the full path, if you haven't gone through the gospel message, you haven't seen God as a terror, go through the Old Testament, uh, walk in obedience, and then be transformed to where you don't have sin, you're not going to be able to get away from selfishness. That That's just a fact in the midst of it. And there might be people out there that might try to argue that point. doesn't matter. You can argue it all you want. It's a reality of truth because you're trained in this world for selfishness and self. And now there is an aspect of self-preservation that you have to do. And that one aspect is believe God. Then what you do is you take it away from self-preservation and you turn it over to God. Let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. What was the enemy playing on, the serpent in the garden? What was the enemy playing on when he was talking to Eve, convincing her to eat the fruit? He was playing on her selfishness, her uh, being created in a body of flesh, even though they haven't, they hadn't broken a command yet, they still had the core of selfishness. Why? Because you're loving self more than God. You're loving self more than others. Why would she eat the fruit? Because she was enticed to the knowledge and wisdom and the understanding, and she would be like God. And again, this goes, this isn't just Eve, this is Adam as well, because Adam missed out on his part or what he was supposed to do by being an example. And even if she did it, if he was walking appropriately, appropriately according to God, he would have rejected taking the fruit from her. Why did he take the fruit from her? Oh, she ate the fruit and she didn't die. Oh, so it's not going to kill me. So I'm going to eat of it too. Why? So I can gain this knowledge and this understanding. And 
unfortunately, they didn't realize that the knowledge they gained was the knowledge of death, that you are going to die now, that you're not going to live forever because you broke a command of God. And the only way that you can live forever is for you to not break the commands of God. And when you're walking in a process of perfecting your behavior, then you are walking in the commands of God. Now, we are this side of heaven, and we are perfecting just like Messiah was when he was here. But I won't claim that I am absolutely perfect in this life, but that's the process of movement. And this is a true reality. And if you don't see it in yourself first, you definitely see it in others. Take and watch somebody else and watch what they do. And you will, if you study them, you will be able to bring it back to selfishness from some aspect, some area. Well, the objective of seeing it in other people first is so that you will then turn your eyes to self and start working on that forest in your eyes. Don't say anything to people when you're studying them like that. Don't, don't tell them, well, you're selfish. No, use it as a tool to be able to dig in and see where it goes and know that no individual by themselves without God has the capability to destroy selfishness. And that's a fact. There's nobody that has that capability. With man, this is impossible. But with God, this is possible. Because anything is possible when you are with God. And if you are claiming to be with God and you don't see these things as a possibility, then you have to know you're not with God. And I don't say that to shame anybody. I say that that it's a fact of truth. So you need to figure out how you can get in that place where you can fulfill these things, where you can be able to do what is necessary. And in order to do that, you have to walk the gospel message. You have to seek with all of your heart and you start there and you continue through until circumcision of the heart. And then every step in the process after that is just you reliving that gospel message. Whatever new is brought to you, you seek it with all of your heart. You believe it, you believe in it. You have godly sorrow, you repent, you obey, you trust. And we just continually, because we talk about before the fact that we have with Yah the circular perspective, not the linear perspective. Linear is accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're done. You're there. That That's a start and a finish. Done. Nothing else I have to do where true faith in God is, it's circular. So you will always have to circle back around to use that gospel message in the perfecting stage. And that's why once you set your mind, and this is why it's important in every step that it's a mindset, that it's never going to change, is because once you set your mind to seek with all of your heart, then that continues through your whole life. And, and once you start to believe God, that continues through your whole life. And each step in the gospel message that God will lead you to is meant to be 
circular because once you have the circumcision of the heart, then that gospel message gives you the ability to work through the process of learning and growing and improving and not sinning. So it's it's important that, especially when we go to talk about these things like marriage and submission and leadership, that I don't care who you are, if you don't have circumcision of the heart, you can try to do these things, but your selfishness is going to take over and you're not going to be able to do it right, fair, and appropriate. And this ties into the aspect of love because love is not about you. When you're loving somebody else, it's about what's best for them, not what's best for you. Now, sometimes when it's what's best for them, they don't like to hear it because it's convicting them or convincing them that they're wrong in something. But if you have faith in God, you're looking for those areas anyway, and you rejoice in the fact that, wow, I didn't recognize I had that. And so now I'm just going to grow and move forward, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm not going to do that again, even though at some point to a little bit lesser level, you will do it again. But then you always keep that steadfast mindset. No, I don't agree with that. It doesn't line up with God. I'm not doing that. And piece by piece, you have the ability to remove things. But we also know that <coughs> that uh, there's a thorn in the flesh, that the sinful nature removed from your heart and placed in your flesh, that you're not going to be able to be perfect here. Why? Because you have to remember that it's by grace you're saved. And that is one of the biggest things that when you have true faith in God and you remember it is by grace you are saved, then that's what gives you the ability to have mercy and compassion on those who don't have faith, on those who persecute you, on those who say all kinds of things about you, those who try to kill you, whatever it is that they're coming against you, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because they're walking in a blind state of subconscious selfishness that then it's not intentional. Now, there are some people out there that do selfishness with intention, that, and they know they do. But most people are operating out of the programming that they've had throughout their whole life, and they're taught it's about selfishness. A little kid growing up in a family that decides they're going to celebrate Christmas. And that little kid sees the parents telling him a lie or her a lie about this Santa Claus and all the gifts and the coming down the chimney and all this stuff. And then when they're told, when they tell a lie, then it's not okay. It's okay for me to tell a lie because I'm, I'm trying to make you feel good, but you can't tell me a lie no matter what. And you got a twisted aspect of society. Why, why do people do that? Because, well, I do this for my kids because it makes me feel good. Well, I'm doing it for them. But why? There's always, always, I don't care where you are in faith. There's always a reason 
you do what you do. And this is why we talk about the subconscious and we talk about rending the past and shaking the subconscious because there's stuff there that you don't see that you're doing, that you are doing, and it's not appropriate. And the objective goal, again, is that we see these things and then we start in a process of getting rid of the old programming that was in there and putting in the new programming. But programming takes time. You're you're not going to program yourself in what you think is a broken moment and I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That that's that's not going to do you anything. You you have a moment of brokenness. Take that moment of brokenness after you've passed it and do the evaluation, weigh the cost of faith, and then make a decision whether you're going to follow God or not. So because again, your selfishness is going to take over. You you can't help it. You don't do it intentionally, but it's part of your programming. It's like your computer. It does what it does. Why? Because it's programmed. It doesn't uh, just decide to program itself. And this is an important aspect as we look at this topic here, because as much as you may want to have this great marriage relationship and as much as you may pretend you have this great marriage relationship and as much as you want to make it look like you have this great marriage relationship, the reality is, is both parties without true faith in God are operating in a selfish perspective. And that's what we kill when we crucify ourselves with Christ. That's what gives us the humility that God talks about. Walk humbly before your God. How do you walk humbly? Well, you have to die to self. You have to be more concerned about somebody else's life than your own. And again, we have the example of Messiah on the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't concerned about what what was going on to him and what was happening. He was more concerned with the, the sin that these people were committing that they didn't see, they didn't know, they didn't really understand actually what they were doing. It had to take place, but that's a a factual reality of it. And so it's just really important, no matter who you are, whether you're Aaron and Becky or you're Sean and Crystal or Philip and Cindy or uh, Josh and Anna Ruth, it doesn't matter who you are. The objective goal is you have faith. Let God take care of the rest. Now, in that faith, there are things that God's going to request that you do, that God's going to put you in position to do, and you walk in obedience to it. You you do what God says to do, and uh, some of that of what God says to do is already stuff that you've programmed since circumcision of the heart to use your own discernment that lines up with the truth of God to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this because of this or because of this, or, you know, whatever the reason is. But it is truly important and all the different things that we talk about, not just this topic, but getting away from sin, uh, the uh, programming of the mind, the depression, all the aspects uh, of things that we've brought up in the past, it's the same thing. You can't get away from it. You can suppress it. 
You can hide it, but you can't get away from it until you die to self, when you die to self. Now, I'm not going to say that you can't find areas of improvement in using the truth of God to to uh, try to make steps to do what is right. The reality is, is that you cannot optimize it without the fullness of faith in God. And so whoever you are, if you're in a relationship, you do what God tells you to do. You obey God and, and do what is right according to God. God will take care of the other person. If you're doing what is right, then that is your best ability. Uh, Sean, do you have any thoughts as we're, I didn't really get into the topic yet, but any thoughts about uh, what's been said so far, or the topic within itself? I was actually sitting at home this morning and I had similar thought to you about the selfishness that without the fullness of faith that, and you don't recognize it or some things you may recognize, but what you do is out of selfishness unless you come to the fullness of faith. And the reason is because sin is in your heart. It's your nature and you have a nature of selfishness. And the only way to change that is to change the nature from selfish to selfless. And when mother is living in your heart, the law of God written on your heart, which is love. Well, love is the actual action, but the ability to love. Yeah, I've got several thoughts on this and I'm going to take it to back to the very beginning of when you were speaking about Aaron and Becky Crenshaw and like you, I don't know who they are, but know this, that Yah spoke to us when they wanted us to start the church and do other things. And when God speaks, Yah is the infinite, perfect one, and they know what they're doing. So whom, whomever they are, they know who they are. Yah doesn't need us to be able to reach them. Yah can do what they want to do. They use us so that we can increase our faith in them and our trust, which is trust. And we've learned this from the gatherings as well, that when you are singled out as this is for you, Don't sit around thinking that, okay, well, this isn't for me, so I'll just think about other things. No, it is for you, but this person is having a spotlight on them for a reason to show them something, to show them the truth, and we go with that. And obedience to God trumps everything. You walk in repentance, you will obey God, and when you obey God, you will trust God, and the the cycle continues. So for even for us here, even if Yah said you're going to go on a different topic than what we've put on here, because that's what we want, then then that's what we'll go with. I was focusing on the concept of circumcision. In the Word of God, it says, Yah told the people to no longer be stubborn and stiff-necked any longer, but to circumcise your hearts. And what Yah is talking about is he's not talking about the spiritual part of it, the lower conscience. He's talking about their mind their mindset, because what had happened was, is that Yah wanted them to repent to them and be stiff-necked and hard-headed any longer towards being against God, because repentance is about a turn to someone, because what we profess is repentance to Yah, not repentance to the world. The world walks in repentance. They just don't walk in repentance towards God, because everybody walks in repentance because there's something 
that you've set your mind in a direction to go and you continue in that direction. You must first circumcise your heart, which means you've got to come to a decision in your mind that no matter what, you're going to follow God, turn to God in their ways. You're going to walk in agreement with them no matter what they ask you to do, no matter what they tell you to do, no matter what their word says. Your mindset is steadfast, just like flint, like your forehead being that flint, that stone, to be able to strike a match or just rock solid. Circumcise your heart, because when you do that first, then mother, when she comes to do the actual circumcision of the heart by, without human hands, but with spiritual hands, the law of God will be written on your heart, and then therefore you can become a spiritual being. We say this all the time, I'm a human being. In faith in Yah, the fullness of it, you become a spiritual being, which means you have the fullness of the deity in bodily form, which means you are now capable to do 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is spoke about so many times, and the way that people take it is that love is a feeling. This feels good because when the way somebody is treating me is, is they're being patient and they're being kind. What this is talking about is that you walk as Yah does, then your being is patient. Your being is kind. Your being is not keeping record of wrongs. Your being is always hopes, always does these different things. So love is a choice. Just like the song that we're familiar with from the eighties by foreigner, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. The word of God shows you what love is, but love is not a feeling. Though you will have feelings in love, love is not a feeling. Love is not something you fall in and out of. Love is a choice. And it is not an easy path to do it because of selfishness. But the word of God says, with God, all things are possible. With God, you are capable to love which love from God's perspective is doing the absolute best for the other person, no matter how it affects you. And it will affect you, but you're not concerned about how it affects you. You're concerned about the other person and how it it helps them. So my mind went to the actual suffix of this, which is the shun, the circumcision of the heart, which is your heart. When you circumcise, your mind and your steadfast to never turn away, you circumcise your, your heart, your mind. When the circumcision of the heart is done by mother, the circumcision is done. So your heart is circumcised, but there is still work to be done in the circum, the shun part, which means the circumcision means that you cut away that which is not beneficial, that is not healthy. So mother will cut away the sin nature and remove the sin nature and put it in your body of flesh, which when you perish, from this earth, when you die, the sin nature will go with the body of flesh. So it doesn't enter the kingdom because it cannot. So our responsibility is to evaluate our lower conscience, what we're putting in, what's coming out because the further, because the circumcision has been done, we have the ability to take out and cut away from the lower conscience, what is not beneficial and be able to put in what is beneficial, which is the godly. And just like the programming is, The reason we do what we do is because it's programmed. I'm looking at the screen here for the podcast, and the reason that it's running like it is is because it's programmed, and unless the programming is changed, this will not change. It will run the exact same way 
that it's running now until I could change one thing and the music won't play or the screen will go dark. And that's the thing that came to mind as you were speaking about, you don't know what you're doing with faith in God, the fullness, you are able to see what you are doing and change what you're doing and actually see growth in it. Because this is something that takes practice. And we happen to be on the subject of marriage and submission and leadership. But you could put this to any other things, that it is a continual expanding, growing concept. Because I know from my background that I would want to get something and get it done and move on to the next thing. But in faith, that, yeah, you can get things done. You come to a checkpoint, but you'll come around to it again. And you come around to it again. And that's the purpose of repentance, obedience, trust. It's a continual, ever-growing, increasing thing. And when Yah does bring things to our attention, the repentant mindset says, I agree with God. I'm going to make a change. This is the direction I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what Yah says, and I'm going to trust them. And then you just continue the, the same circle over and over again. In regards to marriage, and we talked about this on a different uh, podcast about marriage, is that from the aspect of Yah, a marriage is intended to be a lifelong commitment to a person, to an individual. Your decision, your willful choice to love somebody and for you to be unified with them. And yes, the actual physical act, the sexual intercourse makes you bonded to that person, that union, that's the marriage. And that's a, an aspect of it. But when we talk about marriage, it's intended to be forever bonded with that person until death, one person or the other until death, as it says in weddings, until death do us part. The intention of marriage and the reason that Yah hates divorce is because the intention of it is when you are joined to somebody, you're not supposed to separate, that you make a, a full commitment to somebody. It's supposed to be a bond for eternity unless because in eternity there's not going to be with God, there's not going to be any death with them. It's eternal life. So be careful who you commit to and make a vow to because y'all will look at that and I'm going to hold you accountable to this commitment that you've made the vow that you've made to a person. And the word of God makes it clear. Be careful when you make a vow, you make a promise because y'all will certainly demand it of you. And that goes the same way in the world you make a promise to somebody, why do you, why do we think people get upset when we say we're going to do things and we don't because you made a vow to them and don't make vows that you're not able to fulfill? We know that whatever Yah says, they will fulfill. And those of us that are in faith, our, our mind and heart is that we will fulfill what we say we're going to do. But the, the aspect of in a marriage is both people working together and it was mentioned on here about the equality. And I was actually meditating on this this morning about being equal and what that is. And I came across a word that we've talked about in the gathering. We may not have specifically talked about it, but it made so much sense. It just clicked in my mind that equal is balanced. Well, you think about if you're walking in balance, then it's not weighed down too much on one side. It's not weighed down too much on the other side, it's right in the center. And my mind went to the plumb line, that something being plumb means something that's got to weight it in so that we can line up a wall or something like that vertically. Well, the best way 
to be plumb is to find to be in Messiah, who is the plumb line, to be centered, to where when you're in the center, it's a beautiful balance. And the thing with men and women when they're married is walk in a balance, walk in what you were called to do by what Yah says and what Yah desires to where your desires are Yah's, that you are walking in a beautiful balance, that you're not trying to lord things over the other person. The other person isn't lording things over you because you're going to be out of balance. Walk in what Yah has called you to be. You do it to the best of your ability. That other person does, and you walk in equality. You're not looking as you're greater than the other person. You're not less than the other person. You're together and be just like Yah is whole, that you have Abba and Ima, that they come together as one, that you have one half, the other half that make a whole, that it's a beautiful balance. And when you walk in that balance, everything works well. But what happens is, is, well, I think I should be more. I think I should get more. Well, you're walking out of balance. You think that somebody, you think you're lesser than the other person because I'm a woman, I'm lesser, or I'm a man that I'm nothing. And you walk around in this chaos where the way that Yah intended it was to be willful cooperation. And the key word being willful, meaning that it's not, well, I have to, it's I want to, and I'm going to cooperate with this person, and I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to do my part that lines up with the word of God. I'm going to be a man of God the best that I can be. My wife's going to be a woman of God the best that she can be. And that's the best place to be to where not one person is carrying all the weight, but you share the weight. And you had mentioned before, if one person is in faith, one isn't. Just because one person isn't and the other is doesn't mean that you, well, just there's nothing I can do, so I don't do anything. No, it's you be the example. You live the word of God. You live it to be the best example because in Paul's words that who knows that your godly living may went over the spouse or may went over the, the husband or the wife. So you keep living what Yah says to do because the word says, if you humble yourself and pray, seek their face, turn from your wicked ways, then I will heal your land, which would be your family, which ultimately what Yah is saying is the lower conscience, I will heal your, your land. But they're also talking about those around you that Yah knows what to do. Yah can come to somebody just like they came to you over in the warning, and they can tell this person, look, you're, you're doing this. You need to change. You need to evaluate this. And I'll just speak for me. Yah doesn't need me to come to my wife, Crystal, or do anything like that. They're, and this hit me last night. The reason that one of the reasons why I'm going through the experience I'm going through is because it's to help me in my growth because Yah could just come to her and say, and just be like uh, Paul on the road to Damascus and, or to anybody. They could come to Becky and Aaron and be like, look, here's the way it is. If you don't repent, then this is going to happen. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't ever see that. But they know that this is, there's a greater reason for what I'm experiencing, what you're experiencing, Josh and Anna Ruth, others, that there's a greater reason for what Yah does so that you can discover the godly life and you can discover what love is because how do you know what love is if everything is nice and peaceful and no, no wrong, no hiccups? No, you can't learn to love somebody unless you're put in a position to where you want to know what love is. Then look at this, do this without complaining, do this without getting upset with the other person and let it go and forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. 
just like it was either Jeremiah or Isaiah that, or I think it was Jonah that you're getting, you're getting frustrated with me, but these people don't know their left hand from the right. People don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they're sinning. They don't realize because of the lower conscience programming, what they're doing, forgive them. They don't, if they really knew that they were crucifying Yeshua, that they would be thinking about it, but they didn't know what they were doing. They were just mad and frustrated and angry and they were blinded. They didn't realize it. And Yeshua knew it that no, they don't know what they're doing. They wouldn't be killing me if they knew who I was and understood what, what this was. And even if they did, they're going to pay a price for what they're doing. But I'm just seeing this, uh, this aspect of everything we talk about. There's so many layers to it and there's so much information that we could be sitting here day after day, hour after hour, and we would never get every single thing. We would be just like we heard in the news about this vessel that had the, when they were going to look at Titanic, that you think about the depth of the truth of God going into the ocean, all the depth of it, you're not going to be able to get to the depth of everything. It's so vast. It's so massive. And the further you go down, the more pressure that you're going to find. And that's the thing. And the further you go down in your lower conscience, you're going to see things that, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. Well, Yah, by their grace, gives opportunity to look into the lower conscience and evaluate these things. But what we're talking about, the, the this truth of God is around, but it's not talked about predominantly. And the things we talk about, as we talked about with cognitive dissonance, the brainwashing, you've really got to listen to this information and have an open mind to take it in, realizing that your programming likely is going to fight against it, but hang in there, push through, really listen, latch on. And if things are sticking out to you in your mind, something that Yah is speaking to you, hold on to it. Like we said at the beginning with uh, Aaron and Becky, that they could be listening now or listen later, really, as Yeshua said, that listen to what the spirit is saying, listen to what mother is speaking here to you and not just don't just take this in, but look to apply the information because applying the information is going to be where you're going to actually be able to see change. But to go back, circle around here, without the fullness of faith, selfishness will take over. And you may have some areas where you do see improvement, like you said, but find the place where you can be. And this came to mind the other day, this scripture. It's a journey of faith to faith. And I remember we talked about this in Romans that Paul's talking about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to salvation. And it's talking about the gospel being from faith to faith. And I remember, you know, what is y'all talking about here? And it was just the other day I was reading something and it clicked that it's a journey of faith. It's from faith to faith. You, you start the faith journey where you start out in your mind and it, it increases as you go. And when, when you find the circumcision of the heart, you've now come from, from faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God to faith, where the fullness of faith, which is circumcision of the heart, where you now live by faith, not by sight. So it's a journey. And let's encourage those listening in as we talk about these topics, whatever they are, is seeking God with all your heart start you on the journey of faith so that when you come to the fullness of faith, circumcision of the heart, you will then continue in that circular 
mindset and circumstances. So anything you come across with God, you have the ability to change because you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. Just an aspect that you had brought out from this scripture about being, don't be stubborn and stiff-necked any longer. And you alluded to this a little bit when you said, don't be stubborn and stiff-necked any longer against God. Well, the reality is, is that because of self or because of faith in God, you will be stubborn. The that's that's a fact. It's like, well, not everybody's stubborn. Yes, they are. It's just a matter of what they're stubborn about, and they will be stubborn about whatever it is that makes them feel good. When now, if you're in faith, you'll be stubborn about making sure that whatever it is lines up with the truth of God, and. The aspect that came to mind is something we've talked about before is you have a soft side and a hard side of who you are. One side is like a shield. The other side is like a sponge. And the reality of it is, is that your front is the sponge and your back is the shield. And so your back is that, that uh, stubbornness. And stubbornness is not bad, provided it's uh, operated in accordance with the truth of God. It matter of fact, it's not that it's not bad. It's the fact that it's it's absolutely necessary for you to be able to continue the faith. And what people don't understand is that sometimes your stubbornness is what's keeping you from having true true faith and having the fullness of faith because you're stubborn convinced that the people who taught you what they taught you is the right thing. And that's what I'm going with, even though it speaks contrary to the Bible and, and you're stubborn and you're steadfast in that you're stiff necked towards anything that anybody talks to a different perspective. And so you have a soft side and a hard side. You have a side that like a sponge that will soak in and you have a side that will be put up to just knock down anything that comes your direction. There is a stubbornness that you have and what God was talking about in that. And you alluded to is the fact that that stubbornness is towards God because your soft side without faith is to self that it's all about yourself and making sure that in your mind that you're doing everything you can for self-preservation. And again, this is stuff people don't realize of what they're doing, but that's the reality. So when you're soft towards yourself, then you're hard towards God. You have that stubborn and stiff-necked perspective. And this is why repent. Why? Because a repent is a turn to go the opposite direction. And so when you turn, now you have the reverse. Your front is facing God, which is your sponge, which is able to soak in and draw in and take in all the things of God. Then your back is turned to self and you're able to knock down 
the selfishness that continually comes. And again, it's, it's not a one time done. And no, there's a process that we go through to learn how to be stubborn and stiff necked towards ourself and be soft towards God. And that's an absolute must in the faith journey that you must be that way. And I just, I was saying that it was important to just uh, reiterate and kind of expand that a little bit on the aspect of your stubbornness because everybody's stubborn and stiff-necked. It's just a matter of where you place your stubbornness and stiff-necked. And if you're honest with yourself, you will see that it's about selfishness until you have the faith in God. And like was said, I don't want to say that you can't make any steps in improvement in your life without faith in God. Now, you can. You can make some steps of improvement uh, by applying the truth of God, but you can't do it to an optimal uh, ability until you have the fullness of faith. And here's why you can use some of these things to advance and improve and get a little bit better is because God put them in the in for the worldly perspective so that if you understand this, then you can understand spiritual things. But without being able to understand these things, you can't understand spiritual things. And therefore, you're, you're going to be uh, stiff-necked towards that what doesn't feel good. And so it's really just a matter of the repentance is so you can turn your soft side to God because we're born in this world, our back is to God. And why? Because we're programmed that way. God knew that. God knew that when he was speaking to them about don't be stiff-necked stubborn and stiff-necked any longer. This is exactly what he was talking about. Don't be stubborn and stiff-necked any longer towards me because you're being soft towards yourself. Turn that back to yourself. And you do. You turn to me. And when you do, you don't care about self. That's when you have the ability to stop taking things personal. When somebody attacks you or they say something hateful, What's that to me? I'm just going to let it hit my back because I, I, in this life, I care about myself enough to not care about myself. <laughs> Meaning that I put my preservation, my life being preserved in the hands of the, the almighty God. Nobody can take my salvation away from me. Only I can walk away from it, but nobody can take it from me. So it's just really important to let people know that you have a soft side and a hard side, and your soft side will be to self until you kill that, until you make that turn and you make your soft side to God. That means everything, I'm taking in everything of God. And when I take it in, that gives me the ability to uh, carry it out and achieve it. And just things like uh, divorce. God hates divorce. Well, if you are in true faith in God, you hate divorce as well. Now, this isn't hating people. 
It's hating the sin committed by people. <coughs> because, because divorce, God says, I hate divorce. Then if my soft side is to God, then I agree 100%. And I hate divorce as well. I'm not going to hate the person but I'm going to hate divorce just as much as I'm going to hate the man or the woman who cover themselves with wicked and evil deeds, just like God spoke after he said, I hate divorce. I hate the man's covering. That what he's covering himself is what I despise. But I don't despise the man because I'm still going to do what is best for that person, even if going to reject it and end up in the abyss. I'm still going to do what's best for them. If they turn to God, then what's best for them will be fulfilled and they will be able to have that faith. But there's, there's, there is an aspect of being able to carry out the worldly to a degree that gets you to understand that you can do it and you can do it to a greater scale on the spiritual. And Messiah, when he said, if I speak to you of earthly things and you do not understand how will you understand of heavenly things because divorce within itself will bring about your separation from God and you're going to you if you agree with divorce then you are okay with separating from God and that's okay and people would say, well, no, I, I, I wouldn't divorce God, but I would divorce my husband because he's not doing this or my wife because she's not doing that. And it's like, no, you, you missed the whole point. Because if you agree with God, you divorce is not in your vocabulary, meaning that you don't, it's not an option for you. I don't care. Even if the other person chooses to leave, they choose to file for a divorce. They choose to get divorce papers. I'm not having anything to do with it. I won't sign it. If if eventually it comes down to it, the state will decide, okay, it's been this much time. You're not signing the papers. We declare you're divorced. But that's in the eyes of the state. In the eyes of God, I don't care what kind of paper you say that says that you're separated from that person. Once you've had that physical union with that person, you're connected to that person for life. It's the way it is. You you can't get away from it. I can't get away from the fact of women that I've been with in the past that are still alive. I still have that connection. Now, again, I'm not going hunting them down and trying to uh, live with all of them. No, that, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about coming to an understanding now so that what I do from here forward is I don't agree with all the other stuff, I agree with the truth of God, and that's what I'm going to do. And so it's really important for people to understand that, yes, you can do it from the worldly perspective, and God allows that so that you can see it from the spiritual perspective. But if you're okay with divorce from uh, human humans divorcing, then your greatest chance is that you're going to divorce from God if if you even had that connection to God in the first place because your repentance towards God is, I believe in you 
I believe with absolution, everything that you're about. And that's the, uh, that's the reality. So just wanted to kind of uh, clarify and reiterate a little bit more that the fact is, if you disagree with anything that comes from God, then you do not have faith in God. You have faith in self and faith in self to the point that you make yourself out to be God. And again, another scripture that tells you uh, about your selfishness without specifically saying it, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge them and they will make your path straight. So just some important stuff, Sean. I was just given, and we're bringing this out too, that given information on how you cannot come to Yeshua unless Abba draws you. And it's this exact same scenario. I just had a picture in my mind. You have your back towards God. Well, if you don't turn and face Abba, then he's not going to lead you to Yeshua because your back is to Abba. And he's not going to lead you to his son because why would I lead you to my son to show you the way of obedience if your back is to me and you don't haven't turned to me and recognize who you are, that you're a sinner that's hopelessly lost, and you don't realize who you are before me, you turn and humble yourself, turn from your wicked ways, then I'll heal your land. I'll bring you to my son where your land can be healed. So just another picture of you must go through the word of God in order from the first covenant to the renewed covenant, because the renewed covenant is just transferring you from the first into the eternal aspect. So you have the temporal at first because you were in this world, but then it transfers, transfers to the spiritual, which is the eternal aspect of it. So it's the renewing is just switching over from the temporal to the eternal and it, it must go in that order. You must circumcise your heart so that you can go on the path to get circumcision of the heart, which is by the spirit, which is what you can't do. And it, I was just sitting here as you were speaking and just, I was like, wow. So if, cause I'm I'm looking at you face to face, but if my back is turned to you, well, you can't even see me for even for me to lead you anywhere because your back is to me. You think you know better than me. So you're back. Okay. We'll go ahead and go your direction. So like, and I'll, you can see this, but I'll turn around here. My back is to you. I can only, y'all doesn't want me to walk that way. They want me to turn face to, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. And you, you go down at his feet. Okay. Well you can get up. We're face to face, but now I'm going to lead you here to where you get to see Messiah face to face and you get to see mother face to face. It was just, Yah gives information that do you see once again, somebody can scoff at it and say, no, you can go right to the sun. No, you cannot. One, because the word of God says something different. It says that nobody comes to me unless the father draws them. Well, you're not even in a position for Messiah to help you at all. Even if that were to happen, which it wouldn't, Yeshua would say, go back to my father because you're not, you're not ready to come to me yet because you're not you're not in a place for me to help you now. It's just one of those where you come to a doctor and the doctor says, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Well, you're not in any position for me to help you. I, I can't help you. You're already righteous. Cause that's what he was saying that though I didn't, he, I didn't come to help the righteous because you come to me and you're already righteous. Then what can I do for you? I can't, but you're broken and you're sick. Okay. 
that's what I came for. I can help you, but I can't do anything for you. There's nothing wrong with you. And that, that's the point. Don't sit there and think that you're righteous. Coming to Messiah, say, Lord, I'm, I'm poor in spirit. I'm broken. Help me. Okay, I can help you. And that's why those were the ones that came to him that listened to him. But just another aspect of you must go to Abba first and see him as a terror. And then you come to Yeshua. Then you come to mother and it cannot be any other way. That's the order. And this is just another piece of no more excuses of no. Do you see how if your back is turned to God, then that means your back is turned to Messiah and your back is turned to mother. So you can't until you turn to Abba first. No, your back is turned to them as well. So you think that you're coming to Yeshua. You think you're coming to him and no, you, I can't do anything for you. I don't know you. The way that I know you is, oh, Abba, who, this is a child that you brought to me. Great. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'll help you. I don't know if you remember this scripture that Messiah makes a statement. He says, here I am and the children that my father has given to me. Well, those are the ones that he brings that are drawn, brought to him. These are the going to be called children of God and no one can snatch them from my hand, but they can walk out of my hand and leave if they choose to blaspheme. So I just, that came to mind, wanted to inter, interject that because if your back is turned to God and your heart is hard towards God, then you're not going to, he's not going to draw you to Messiah. That's not going to happen. Right. And we have worldly, the, the world understands that aspect. Why, why would somebody say that, well, he turned his back on me because you, you, you're, you're saying that he's turned away from you he's he's not because do you generally now occasionally you may see somebody walk backwards occasionally not very often, not very often and they don't do it all the time you always unless there's purpose for backing up you're always moving forward and forward is the way you're facing not what's behind you. So what's behind you, what your back is to, is what you're walking away from. Unfortunately, people are, are told in this world through Christianity that you're turning your yourself to God by saying you're sorry and accepting as Lord and Savior. But that's not what the Word of God says that you need to do for salvation and therefore, your back is still turned to God. Somebody's convinced you that you've turned to God, but the God that you've turned to is the God of this world, the, the prince of the power of the air, the one who can come to you like an angel of light. And all the warnings in the Bible about uh, doing things right for God and the warnings of uh, if God didn't spare the angels, if God didn't spare his own people, and we don't take heed to the warnings enough to make sure that what I'm following is the truth. And so it's just really important to understand that you turn your back on God, or really when you're born in this world, your back is already turned to God because you're born into the programming of selfishness. And the best ability for a child in this world is to have two parents in faith that both parents are living their part of what that faith journey is, not worrying about the other person, but worrying about themselves. And then 
that is the best opportunity you give that child to be able to have a uh, turning and facing God, even though that child's still going to have to make the decision at the point of accountability that they're going to have to choose to follow God. So that was just a important thing. And want to reiterate again, and when, when I'm reiterating things that you have said, I want people out there listening to understand, um, because it's not, somebody might think, well, how come you just repeated what he just, what he said? And well, the reason we repeat things is because there's an importance that you don't let it go by, not you, but the people listening that, you know, cause you can make a statement about something and then it slips on by and it's important when we look at these things that when we talk about them, we, we, if it's brought up again, then there's an important perspective of the whole thing that don't forget what was just said that we, we bring this up. And again, just touching on the equality perspective that equality from what the world defines and equality from what God defines are two absolutely completely different things. And that's a fact that one, you're not promised to be equal to just anybody in the world. That means, well, if there's somebody rich, then I I have to be rich. Or if there's somebody that's, that's poor, I have to be poor. No, there's, these differences in society are there, uh, but just because they're differences doesn't make them unequal. We we put equality to what you can do that the other person can do or how much money you can have that the other person has. And if they have more than you, then it's not fair. It's not right. It's not equal. And we want to find a place of equality which is found in true faith in God. And equality is not about you being able to do what somebody else does. Equality is about you being able to do what you're designed for to the best of your ability. And if everybody's doing that, they're considered equal. You know, we are set as overseers of our gathering but that doesn't make us more important than the people in the gathering. It doesn't make us to where, well, we tell you what to do, but we're not going to do it. No, we're all equal. We all, everybody has their part. You know, some were given to preaching, some were given to teaching, some given to prophecy, some do your part. And that's what we're talking about in when we go with equality with men and women, a lot of times, and women aren't the only ones that get caught up in this. Men do too. We look at equality from a perspective of whenever you say that's not fair, or this isn't fair, you just made a statement that you don't feel like you're being treated equal. The reality is, is that in faith in God, your equality is found in your created being and your created purpose. 
not in somebody else's created being and somebody else's created purpose. You're not supposed to be, if you're a female, you're not supposed to be a man. And if you're a man, you're not supposed to be a woman. And if you're a man trying to be a woman, you're feeling like you don't have some sort of equality. And if you're a woman trying to be be a man, you're feeling like you don't have some sort of equality. If you're poor trying to be rich or rich trying to be poor, no matter how you look at it, those things don't drive equality. Equality is driven by you being uh, and working within the confines of what your creation is. And this even goes into like people look in the military and they would see the general as being, uh, not being equal to the private where the general doesn't go into battle, though he may have in the past. And so we put it on levels rather, you know, we put rank on levels rather than, uh, position of uh, a task or a job to take care of or to work out. Were you going to say something? It was, I don't know if you're going this way, but we actually had this in the gathering and the term was respected position that walk in your respected position, which means be respectable as a man, be respectable as a woman. Therefore, there'll be equality. But what happens is, is that you want respect and you attempt to force somebody else to give you respect instead of being respectable, walking in the position as a man or a woman walk the way that you were created to be. And that will be respectable. And that will, you will command respect by you doing your part, right, fair and just way. What happens is, and I have this in my life, you think that you haven't been respected and I'm going to make sure you respect me. Well, that's demanding respect instead of commanding respect is I'm going to live this and be respectable in my conduct. And then therefore people will respect me when they see that I'm doing what is right. And what I'm seeing is, is this is not supposed to be a competition between men and women on I'm not being treated fair. So I need to do this, or I'm not being treated fair. You have to understand what your respected position is in order to walk in it. And that's what you can find in faith and in Yah is find out the, the, it's that old wrestling term that a lot of those WWE fans of the rock is know your role and close your mouth, meaning know what you're supposed to do and quit telling other people what they're supposed to do. And you do it yourself, which you will tell other people what to do at times, but you'll tell them more in your conduct than in your, your verbal demanding something of somebody else, because each side is wanting respect, but you have to be respectable in order to, gain somebody else's respect. I was just thinking about that as you were talking about the rank that, well, I respect the general, but I'm not going to respect the private. Well, but the private is somebody that can potentially get to that rank. So why not give them respect? Because they're just starting at the beginning. Cause in faith, you could look at it as a private and then going along to get into general status, which would be circumcision of the heart. Now we're not claiming to be the general, like we are not God, but we are a part of God. We're a part of the military. Because you could look at faith in Yah as a military is a beautiful example. It's a military has a code of conduct, a code of order, discipline, rank. But you don't look at it and say, hey, this major, this lieutenant colonel, they're, I'm better than you because look at my rank. Well, that's selfish as opposed to, 
okay, I'm in this position of overseer. I'm going to do the very, very best I can. And in Timothy, it mentions what an overseer's role is. So that's the role that I'm going to do. And I'm not going to point the finger at anybody else. I'm just going to walk in this because this is what is right to do. And then therefore, but what happens is, is that because of selfishness, well, I think that I should get more respect. I'm not getting what I deserve. And that's where we go astray as to where you think that your role isn't as important as somebody else. And therefore you need to give me my due. And no, the kingdom of God is, is that you have a role to do, do it the best you can. And Yah respects you. You'll have the respect. Just if you, when you do what is right, you'll be respected. Well, and doing what is right is exactly what you said. Be respectable. If you like you, you may make a statement like with your wife. Well, well, you're not respecting me. Okay. That's another area of, I don't feel like I'm equal because you're not giving me what I want or what I deserve and you're not respecting me. And, and here's the, here's the thing for you. It's not a matter of respect. It's a matter of respectability. If you want respect, then you have to be respectable. If you're being respectable and somebody doesn't respect you, that just speaks to their character and their nature. And what's that to you? But if you're trying to get somebody to respect you, then you're feeling some sort of inferiority, which means you're not equal. And therefore, you you need to have that respect rather than, no, you do what is right, what is fair is just. You You act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God and you will be respectable that means you have the ability to be respected but if but there's going to be many people who aren't going to respect you they're going to be people who claim faith that aren't going to respect us what's that to me well what do i care if i what i care about is being respectable doing the things of truth of god and i will be respected the problem in the midst of this falls within your own selfishness. You feel like you've been mistreated. You feel like you've been wronged. And why does the scripture say, why not rather be wronged? Like you spoke about with the, the um, general and the private, I wouldn't look at it. I mean, I would look at it from that perspective that you brought out, but I would also look at it from the perspective of what do you get done? from a military advancement perspective, if you have all generals, you, you, you just talk about battle and strategy. You're not, you don't have anybody to fight or right. anything. And so just as much as the general needs to be respected for his position, the private needs to be respected for his position and every step in the process of rank is there for each one who's in that rank to make sure that they're being respectable by doing what is right, what is fair, what is just, what is appropriate in the eyes of, well, in that case, it would be in the army or the air force or, but when we look at equality, what happens is, is people are trying to, you know, women, are trying to do exactly what men do to try to prove that they're equal to a man. 
and men are trying to do what women do to try to prove that they're equal to a woman. Oh, I can take care of the kids. I, you watch. I'll, I'll prove that. And the reality is, is that you can attempt to do those things, but it's not what you're built for. It's kind of like, it's kind of like me just, you know what? I'm going to go and get a job with Elon Musk as a rocket scientist on his SpaceX program. I'm going to go do it right now. Well, no, I don't have the capability to do that. Well, it's not fair. You're not going to hire, hire me for that position. No, it is. It's because it's not about what's uh, fair. It's not about equality. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people in the world that will treat people as though they're unequal. It, it happens. But in a faith perspective, you have to understand what equality is. And it's not about you having what somebody else has. I don't feel inferior to somebody who's rich who has millions or billions of dollars, I don't feel inferior to Elon Musk at all. There's no reason for me to feel inferior to him. If I feel inferior to him, that's my problem, not his. Uh, so we think that just because somebody else has more than we do, that we're not equal. Well, if we would spend more time looking at equality from you fulfilling your abilities and your duties in whatever uh, job or task that you have and being okay with it, we'd have a much better world. Well, why? Because everybody would be working in accordance with the truth of God and they'd be in faith and therefore you wouldn't have these issues. People are trying to, because of selfishness, and, and this is a key factor because of selfishness. I don't have what you have, you know, well, I, I'm, you know, women go to the gym and try to build up all this muscle to prove that they can do anything a guy can do. And why It's because your selfishness says that, well, I'm not equal unless you put so much more burden and weight on yourself in trying to figure out how you can be equal to somebody else rather than just do your job, do what you're, what you're hired for. And now turning this to faith, if you choose to repent to God, you choose to walk in line with the truth of God. And if you have true faith in God, you will recognize that everybody who has faith in God is equal. There's an equality across the board within it. And there's no need for you to try to be something different than what your design is. Because in, in the end, we have this whole aspect of uh, inequality that people are looking at. It really is all about selfishness. I want, I want, I want, I want. In faith in God, it should be God wants. As you were just meditating a little bit this morning, and I'll bring out the scripture because I got even more detail on it. And this is one that people throw around, and, and this helps with the 
equality and equality and it's a mindset and people will throw this around and say, be still and know that I am God. And I was just sitting there thinking about this this morning and this came to mind. Be still, stop wanting. Because if you have what you need, which everything with God, you have everything you need. There's no reason not to be still. Cause when you're a kid and you're be still, Hey, Hey, stop it. Be, Cause you want something. You're, I gotta do something. I gotta be here and stop. Be calm. I'm everything that you need. You don't need, cause it says that Yah was, I think we we're talking about this recently. God found people wanting, I can't remember what the scripture is, but it, this isn't saying that you don't want things. What this is, is, is the contentment that is found in true faith in Yah is about being still that you, you have all your needs because from is one of the Psalms where the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I should not be wanting because Yah, I'm going to be still because I have everything I need in God. I'm going to trust in Yah. So there's no reason to get anxious. There's no reason to be. So I'm just going to be still and know that Yah it's in their hands. And it just made me think of that inequality is because you're not being still. You're just, well, it's not fair because I don't have this or I don't have that. Well, you know what? You want what Elon Musk has? Because I'm learning this lesson. You want what somebody else has? Quit complaining about that you don't have it and you do what they have done in order to get it. And therefore, don't covet because you think you can get something without doing what's necessary. You want to be the rocket scientist with Elon Musk? Then you go to school and you study chemistry and astronomy and then you'll be able to be equal with them. But until then, don't think that you're going to get something without putting in the work for it because you, we complain because of the selfishness. Like you said, it's not fair and I don't have what they have. Well, if you want what they want, then you've got to do what they've done to get it and quit complaining about it. There is no easy, easy road to it, but it just causes so much frustration. And I can't remember what the context was in the, in the word that the be still and know that I'm God came out, but it was just, for me, I was just like, wow, so in order to be still, it's, it takes trust in God and don't find yourself wanting of anything. Just Yah has everything that you need. We even had an example of this with the disciples when uh, the, the mother came to Messiah saying, grant these two to sit at your right and your left side. Why? It, it, that's not for me to give. That, that's, that's up to Yah, but... Why was she doing that? Because of selfishness, because of, well, these, these are more important than the other ones. So they need to be at your right. They need to be. And it's like, no, you don't understand that in faith, everybody's considered equal. The difference is, is you have different uh, objectives. It's like, I don't want to be Elon Musk because where he's at and with his mindset, it, there's not an aspect of faith, and therefore I would have to leave my faith to be where he's at. When you talk about the rocket scientist, well, I want to be the rocket scientist. Why? Because, well, that'll make me equal to the rocket scientist. No, it won't. How about you work in the production factory that produces the parts that they put together for that rocket that that rocket scientist is incapable of doing? They're able to give you a design but they can't build it. And because they can't build it, they have to depend on the guy at the bottom of the chain, what we call the bottom, in order to actually get that rocket built. You have the people who make the parts. You have the people who put the parts together. You have the 
you know, all the different aspects of it. And then the rocket scientist who designed it, but he's not the designer is not the one uh, doing the production. He doesn't have the capability to do that. And so everybody's part in the process is equal. And the reality that we look at when we look at equality is everybody's looking from a selfish uh, pair of glasses. You're looking through selfish glasses and don't even re- realize you have them on. When you claim inequality, you're looking through selfish glasses. And this is especially for those of us who have circumcision of the heart to make sure that we've taken off those glasses of selfishness and destroyed them. And if you have, if you're in faith and you have any uh, aspect that this isn't fair, then you better be evaluating that. You better be digging into it because what's fair and what's right and what's just is up to God. And if you don't have something, then you can bet that it's right, fair, and just. And you're you, either you're, it's not the time for you to have it or you're not supposed to have it, uh, whatever it is that you're looking at. But when you think about, well, oh, this person has this, and how come I don't have that? And well, you're leaning towards that selfish perspective of, well, I don't feel like it's fair that, uh, Johnny gets all this stuff. He gets all this spiritual understanding and uh, I don't get any, or I, I only get a little bit or what, what's that to you? You, you take what God gives you. And this is the truth and the reality of faith. You want to be equal to people. Then you look in the Bible when, when we're talking about faith now, okay, we move off the world, we move to faith. You look in the Bible and you talk to God, and you let God show you and tell you what they want you to do, how they want you to do it. What is your creation? You're created a female. You dig into that and figure out what is the role and what is the responsibility of a female, and you look at that through Scripture, and then you fulfill that. You don't worry about whether the husband's fulfilling that. You don't worry about whether the wife's fulfilling her part. You have to look at what is your responsibility in faith? And your responsibility is to be respectable, trustable, to do what is right according to God. And if you fight against by saying something's not fair, then you really need to evaluate your faith and you need to understand that God treats everybody equal, but people have different uh, abilities, different rank, different positions. Uh, Men are not built to nurture children. Women are. So figure out how you can optimize what God's design for you is and stop worrying about the other person. And this is on both sides. Uh, Submission is you fully agree with your husband. Submission is that you're willing to not just call your husband master, but truly see your husband as your master, meaning that if he asks you to do something, yes, I'm going to do it because I agree. And we the, the, the biggest key, and we talk about this a decent amount, is 
the aspect of being unified in a relationship is the most important thing. Right and wrong go out the window first. Now, obviously, if both people are acting inappropriate, then both people are not going to have faith in God. And this is why it's important that you know what your role is, and you will know what your role is not by watching somebody else, not by doing what somebody else does, but by your conversation with God, you're reading what the Word says, you're reading showing that the Bible says that Sarah, even calling Abraham master, that was her attitude and her mindset. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I got to call him master. And no, she was, she was perfectly fine to do whatever he asked her to do. Remember the time when the angels came to visit and he, he ran and told her to uh, prepare some food and, you know, he did his part in it. She did her part in it. So they could present this food to the angels that came to his door and that's the way it's supposed to operate. It's supposed to operate in a way where your objective goal is to do what you're supposed to do, regardless of what the other person does. Because you will have, if you have two people in faith, then both people should be working and operating in a way that is uh, pleasing to God. And the way to do that is by you fulfilling your responsibility. If you're a foot soldier, then you do what a foot soldier does. If you're a lieutenant, you do what a lieutenant does. If you're a general, you do what a general does. Same concept in the family relationship. If you're going to be a woman in faith in God, your objective goal is to willfully submit. And if you're doing anything, if you claim faith in God and you're doing anything because you feel like you have to, then Again, you must do an evaluation because it is about what your responsibility is. Uh, even in Peter, it says it's talking about slaves and how slaves, even if you're mistreated by your master, to uh, still do what is right according to God. And then it immediately goes into wives submit to your husbands in the same way. So even if your husband is being abusive or not doing what is right according to God. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to still see him as master and do what he requests of you to do. That's what God says. And if you argue against that, then you're arguing against God. You're not arguing against me. But on the other perspective, on the other side of it, it it's not a man's responsibility to tell his wife, you have to be submissive. The Bible says you need to submit to me. So you, well, you're doing it from a selfish perspective that you want something that you're not getting. And therefore you're trying to force her by using God as a way to uh, get her to do something rather than, no, you know what? I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to live my life right according to God. And that will be the greatest example that I can be for the spouse. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have conversations. You're not going to talk and you're not going to uh, push things in a spiritual perspective for an unbelieving wife or an unbelieving husband. But the objective goal in the midst of it is the first thing you have to do, like men as leaders, it's, it's not 
tellership. It's leadership. If it was tellership, then you tell her exactly what she needs to do, and uh, and you, then you enforce that. No, it's leadership. So the first thing as men that we need to be doing is shutting our mouth and putting in action that I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to live because that is how I will be the best that I can be for my spouse. And when I'm doing that, if she accepts it, she rejects it, he accepts it, he he rejects it, doesn't matter. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is live the life that God laid out for you. And if God lay if you're a woman, your life is laid out and it's not supposed to look like the life of a man. And the life of a man is not supposed to look like the life of a woman. That if you're going to be a leader in your house, that means you're showing by example way before you open your mouth to speak. And when you speak, you, you, you the objective is, well, I'm a leader, so you have to do what I tell you to do. No, you're lording it over somebody. You're, you're forcing them to that you're going to be their lord. So you become a wicked slave master instead of being a master that is good and right and fair and just. And I'm going to treat you with dignity, respect, and care and concern. And along the way, if because it's in my eye, uh, it's in my description from Yah that there needs to be a rebuke, then it's going to be there, but it's not going to be a, well, you do this and you have to do this. No, it's going to be just, Hey, <clears throat> better watch what you're doing. Cause that doesn't line up with the truth of God. And these are hugely important things. More so for people who claim faith in God than people who don't that you're supposed to be what God wants you to be. So stop worrying about who mistreated you and who, because God says, you trust me and why not rather be wronged? Bear up. If you're truly being unjustly treated, then bear up under it. Knowing that, God, you're in control. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to let you take care of it. And the odds are, if you leave it in God's hands and let God take care of it, then it'll be done. And part of this is a lot of times women are putting demands on their husbands. No, that's not your responsibility. I can't remember which, I think it was in numbers. Um, I'm not sure exactly where this is. But there's a place in the Old Testament that talks about, uh, and this is making reference to women as as the cows. Uh, it talks about the cows of Bashan, where they're being referred to by the prophet as cows because of their unsubmissive attitude towards their husbands. You demand that your husband go get you something to drink, and that's not the way God designed it. The, the design is not for a woman to have authority over a man. 
but the design is not for a man to lord it over a woman. The, the greatest picture we have of this is not Abraham and Sarah, but it's Abba and Emma. It's God the Father and Mother, the Spirit. Mother is never going to argue with Abba. Mother is never going to sit back and, oh, my gosh, this isn't fair. This, you, you do all this stuff, and I don't get to do it, and that's not right. No, they, they each do what their, uh, what their directive is, and in that, there's where unity is. You stop worrying about what somebody else is doing and make sure you're living your life in appropriation according to God, God will take care of you. God will protect you. And a lot of times when we talk about submission, women don't understand that that's actually God giving you a protection. And when you fight against it, and when you try to find some sense of equality that you think you don't have, then you're fighting against God. And if we have true faith in God, we've repented to God, we've made the decision that we're going to follow what God, what God wants. This is why we have to shake the subconscious. This is why we have to rend the past. This is why we have to go back and figure out how we've been programmed in this world and make adjustments according to the truth of God, not according to what I feel, because what I feel is built in my programming, not in the truth of God. And then I have to change my programming until I feel that this is right, that this is what I'm called to do, and that's what I'm going to do. So when we look at submission, if you're not in agreement with your husband, you're not submitting. Now, I understand that there's a process in the midst of it for uh, women learning how to submit to their husband just as much as it is for a man to learn how to not uh, lord things over them and try to make them, try to put them in a position where you're forcing them to do something because if you're forcing somebody to do something because of whatever reason rather than the truth of God, then it's all based in selfishness anyway. And so that's a sign for you to say, wait a minute, why am I trying to force this? That's a selfish thing. I need to figure out where that selfishness is and I'm going to get rid of it. Uh, and that's uh, from a man's perspective or from a woman's perspective of, well, I don't think it's right that my husband gets to do this and I don't, or whatever it is, rather than, you know what? God says the best thing we can do is be unified. So I'm going to do my absolute best to be what God wants me to be, which means there's going to be continual growth and improvement in that. And I'm going to allow her to have the same, uh, the same respect and the same uh, position to be able to work through and recognize and understand because in, in reality, as a married couple, it's your responsibility to work things out for yourself. Not, not, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that counseling at times is a bad thing. But counseling should just get you to 
a point of recognition that, look, we both have things that we need to work on. So I'm going to work on me. You work on you. And as we do that, we improve with God. We will improve for each other. We will increase and we will get better in that perspective. And so it's just, there's so much importance. And there's a lot of people that claim faith in God that don't walk in submission to their husbands. And there's too many husbands that claim faith in God that aren't fulfilling the role of leadership that they're called to. And some are maybe demanding things of their wife where others are more letting the wife be the one in control. And she's the one that, that she's having authority over him. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And if that you think that it's okay to be like that, then you need to evaluate your faith. Is your faith in self or is your faith in God? Because when we talk about things of faith, we talk about things from a reality, truth perspective. What does God say? AI, Sarah was commended because of the way that she carried her life and that she submitted to her husband. We have the Proverbs 31 woman who, you, it doesn't say her husband tells her everything she has to do. And no, her husband lets her do and he's greatly honored by her that if he just lets her do what she does and it, it talks about various different things of, you know, she's taking care of the household. She's making sure that uh, everything's taken care of. She even does some work at times to uh, provide extra money for the house or whatever it is that she's doing. And this is nothing to do with a man telling her, what she has to do. She's just living to fulfill what she's designed for. And the men need to learn to have full confidence. It, it says about the, the man of this Proverbs 31 woman that he has full confidence in her. Well, if I profess full confidence in my wife, then why do I question her when she does something that maybe I don't agree with. Now, if it's truly something from a truth, faith perspective, then we can have a discussion about it. We can talk it out and move on. But aside from that, I do it because of selfishness. And so the objective goal, again, in order to achieve these things, when we talk about equality, we talk about marriage, we talk about submission, we talk about leadership, your best thing to do is get rid of the selfishness. And when you feel like you're not being treated fairly, when you feel like something's especially in faith, that's a sign for you to find that in your lower conscience and get rid of it. Figure out why you're feeling like you're feeling. And it's going to be because of programming. It's going to be because of selfishness that was in the lower conscience that you've made your mind you're not going to be selfish. And if that's what you've made your mind to be, then you're just going to continually to take out the trash of selfishness within the core of who you are. If you are walking in submission, then you cannot 
be oppressed and people be like, well, what do you mean? And I'm not speaking for everybody on this or for all women or anything, just based on what I know. When somebody hears the word submission because of programming, your mind goes to oppression where you're forcing me. You're submission is not about forcing submission is about what you want to do. And when you want to do something, how can somebody force you or oppress you? I'm doing this because I really want to. And, but you're forcing me. No, the forcing me is that's the, I don't want to do this. And you're forcing me, you're oppressing me. Even if somebody does forcefully oppress you, hold you down in your mind, if you want to do something, it's your desire and you're doing it willingly, then you're walking in submission. Now you can have submission in the world, but not submission towards God, but submission towards God is willful. So you cannot be oppressed if you're walking in submission because you want to do it. And that's the thing you start an obligation, but it's to transfer to a willful thing where if somebody says, well, I have to be submissive, then you're not being submissive. You're, you're just pretending because if you say, yeah, I'm going to be submissive because that's what I want to do and I'm going to do it, then I'm doing this because I want to, that's submission. But if somebody makes the statement, well, I, well, the Bible says I have to be submissive, but does the Bible say you have to? Now it does say that it's saying do this, but if you say I have to, because the Bible says it, well, that's not a reason that's a starting point. Well, the Bible said this, so I'm going to do it, but transform that to, I know the Bible says this, but I agree with God and this is what I'm going to do. Well, therefore that's what y'all is looking for. That's what's pleasing to them. So as you were speaking, it just made me to think that because of programming, it's going to be submission equals forced oppression. But what submission from y'all's perspective is, is a willful cooperation. I'm going to cooperate with my husband because I want to do it. Well, that's submission. So if you're getting frustrated with it, there's still programming of fighting against it somewhere. So get to the point where it's not a perfected, where you never question or any, there's no issues, but it's a mindset of I'm doing this because the word says it and because the word says it, I agree with it and I'm going to do it. That's what y'all is looking for because then what issue do you have if somebody asks you to do something? Well, certainly I'll do it because that's my desire to do it. Why would I argue against it? Why would I push back? It's what I want to do. And just that's an important point in this is because men will attempt to put submission on women because the word says you have to and women take it as, well, well, I guess I have to do it. Well, you do have to, but the have to is from a perspective of a willingness of because it's what Yah says. That's why I'm doing it. My husband can do whatever he wants. It's in Yah's hands. And that's the thing, like you said, protection. I'm going to do what Yah says and Yah will deal with my husband. If my Yah knows how to deal with my husband and tell him, evaluate this and vice versa that, you know, wife, hey, stop doing that. Be submissive to your husband. Yeah, but he... Don't worry about him. No, I'm going to be submissive. Yeah, it's in your hands. And and then that covers you where y'all will deal with the other person. Believe me, y'all knows how to deal with people with the, better than anybody. All right. So why forfeit your place in the kingdom for the sake of somebody else? And that's what it was saying in Peter when it talked about slaves to masters and then wives to husbands that, I mean, in the past, you've had, there have been uh, circumstances where masters treated their slaves <clears throat> very well. And even to the point that the slave, when they were freed, 
didn't want to leave. Even with Israel, when and slavery was a part of Israel. Look, it's in the Bible. It wasn't a bad thing because they had stipulations on it. They had their year of Jubilee where you set the, the slave free. Uh, but if that slave wanted to stay with the master, then there was a, a ritual that you went through for, you know, you take the awl and you drive it through the ear of the slave at the doorpost of the house uh, because the slave chose, they wanted to be there because why would they want to be there? Because they felt like they were being treated right and fair and just. And so one is, as man, you have to be a, a leader in such a way that people are going to feel like they're being treated right, fair, and just. And you do that by leading, by by being a leading, not by telling. The, the telling should be the last thing that you do. The first thing should, should be you recognizing what you need to do and then you acting on it. And then if necessary, then there may be some words spoken, but they're spoken from a gentle uh, perspective. And it's, it's coming in the reality of truth within the midst of it. And so there's just, uh, again, there's so much that is involved in all these uh, aspects. But the key factor, I don't care, man, woman, or child, stop looking at what somebody else is doing and not feeling like it's fair or not thinking it's fair. And if you have true faith in God, whichever one of those you fall in that category, then you do what God says for you to do. You don't worry about if that other person's mistreating you. As a matter of fact, if they're mistreating you, you should have compassion for them, knowing that they're going to answer for their problems. And if you don't have to answer for your problems, why would they have to answer for theirs? And so when we look at these aspects of marriage and submission and leadership, and equality. It has to be in line with the truth of God. And the only way you can do that is to get rid of selfishness by crucifying yourself with Christ. And then when you crucify yourself with Christ, you have it set in the absolution of your mind that you're not going to be selfish. Now you have to start going through when you have circumcision of the heart, that that stones rolled away from that, uh, your subconscious. Now you're able to go in and do the cleaning up of the garbage that was in there. As long as the sinful nature covers your heart, you can't get that trash out. You can only recognize it and wait for the day that you have the door open, that you can start getting rid of that trash that's there. And so everybody doing their part, not worrying about, don't try to worry about what the man's supposed to do. Let him be responsible for himself and don't worry about what the woman's supposed to do. Let her be responsible for herself because in all, if they have true faith in God, they're going to agree one with what we're saying, but more so they're going to agree with the word of God, where the word of God says, submit to your husbands and husbands, I uh, love your wives, love them as, as Christ loved the church. And so that means that you're doing everything for her that is the best thing for her, not what's best for you that fulfills your selfish desires within you. And so the objective goal in this is one, 
in circumcision of the heart, your mind should be set in the absolution of what God has called you to be in the design of this. And you work to the best of your ability to fulfill it. And when you see something come up, you grab a hold of it, throw it in a trash bag, fill that trash bag up, and then put it out for the trash to take, trash men to take it away. That's the reality. So we all need to stop worrying about how how can I be equal to somebody else by doing what somebody else does rather than, no, I'm going to find my equality in God by doing what my responsibility is. And in order to do that, you have to dig into the word. You have to listen to God and you have to have had the repentance that you agree with God 100%. And that's what you're going to do. And so as we look at this, we have marriage, which marriage is the physical union between a man and a woman with the intention of lifelong commitment. That's that's what marriage is. If you have that physical union with somebody and your intention is not for lifelong commitment, then you are acting in fornication. You are still connected to that person. You are still married to that person, but you are acting in fornication. Uh, So with marriage, marriage is that joining together of the two. And when you join together, then you have the opportunity to actually have the physical being of a child that will portray both parties in the process. With the marriage, marriage is that union with somebody. And until death do us part, at death is when you are set free from that connected union, then you are free to move on to somebody else for a lifelong commitment. Uh, So then when we have the aspect of submission, Wives, don't worry about what your husband's doing. It's not your responsibility. Now, when he's acting appropriately, it will make your life uh, more pleasant. But it's not your responsibility to make sure he's doing what is right. So submit to your husbands. Do what is right according to God. See him as master. Walk in uh, submission and a unified connection with your husband and you will do what is right according to God. Men, if you're going to lead, lead. Stop saying things and do them. Just like the whole log and spec perspective, you apply what you're supposed to be according to God and do it in the way God does it and don't lord it over somebody. Don't try to force somebody and you will be okay. You will be right before God. And by both people doing their part, by men working in leadership and women working in submission, they will have the equality. But don't think for a minute that the woman can't be a leader as well. Because she's the other half of you. And so by Paul 
putting out the example of by her living her right life before God, she will uh, have the opportunity to win her husband over. So what's she doing? She's leading by example. I'm doing my part regardless of what he does, and that will be the best opportunity. So she has the ability for leadership as well. And so we don't want to put leadership just to a one-sided perspective because the Bible makes it clear that she has the ability to lead him by doing what is right, and he has the ability to lead her by doing what is right. And so by her doing everything that is right to do and him doing everything that is right to do, I. this is where true equality is found because in him there is no slave, there is no, there is no free, no barbarian, Scythian, no, that all are equal in God. So find your place of equality in your uh, created purpose, whether you're female or male, and work together for a unified front and you will have a great marriage. And again, you can apply some of this stuff, pre-circumcision of the heart, but your best ability and the ability for you to achieve it to the greatest goal is for you to have that circumcision of the heart where you will full, fully, both parties fully agree with God. And now you have a marriage union in this world that is individable that divorce will not be an option uh, because neither party is going to be wanting that because they both have faith in God. God says, I hate divorce. Well, that's not what we're going to do. God also says he hates us when we're covering ourselves with wickedness. So when I'm not, when I'm being selfish, I'm going to make sure that I'm continually getting rid of that selfishness. She's continually getting rid of her selfishness. And we just continue to grow closer and closer to God, not by trying to grow closer to each other, but by doing what is appropriate before God as we work towards doing what is right towards God, then that brings us closer together as a uh, couple in this aspect of faith in God. And we need to be displaying these things. And this stuff is need to be talked about. Women need to understand that when uh, you fall in line and you follow these things that God has called you to do, then you're to teach the younger women these things, that you teach them that, look, this is what God's will is. If you're going to claim faith in God, this is what you have to figure out how to do. Now, you have to, but you have to because you want to. If you have to because you have to, and this is you know a little wordplay, but if you have to because you have to, then it's obligated. But if you do it because you want to, well, it's an absolute must that, that in faith, a man must love his wife like Christ loved the church. And it's an absolute that the woman must submit to her husband. But you got to transform from being obligated at one point to your mind of willfulness that, no, I this is what God wants. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. And so we as men have a responsibility to teach the younger men 
how to be respectable and how to be appropriate in the handling of themselves. And if they speak of something and we've had this before and we address it, they speak of something and we see that they haven't walked in appropriation with the truth of God and we'll bring it to their attention so that they can work on correcting it. And just as we teach the younger men, then the women who understand the submissive perspective of God, it's their objective goal to teach the younger women. It's not the man's objective goal to teach a woman how to be submissive. So let's do our part and we won't have fights and quarrels. We will have equality because we understand that equality is not based in what you have. It's not based in, in how much you do. It's not based in the level of what you do. It's based in you doing what is appropriate and, and right before God. And that's when God sees us all as equal. And there's nothing to lord over anybody when you see, like if I, when I look at my wife, I see her as the other half of me. How can there be inequality in the midst of that? That there's there's no inequality within that because it's all one anyway. It's all we're one family, we're one unit, and that's what we need to be recognizing and understanding. So uh, I'm going to finish with that, Sean, for this podcast for today. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? as we sign out for the morning. The only thing I had is a scripture that came to mind that sums this up is if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Meaning when you do what is right, you will be accepted by God. Find your role, your respected position as man, man or woman and do what is right. And you're accepted by God. And therefore, even if other people don't accept you, you are accepted by God. And that's the most important thing. So that's where your equality is, is be accepted by God and you walk in your respected position. All right. Well, we will uh, finalize this for this morning and we'll be back again on Tuesday evening, God willing, for seven o'clock or no, seven thirty for doing the podcast. And just want to remind people we have a Facebook page. Uh, hidden treasures revealed that if you want to contact us through messenger, you can, uh, if you want to email us, uh, hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. And if these podcasts speak to you, we ask that you would just share them on your social media page. Um, aside from that, everybody have a blessed day and just enjoy the truth of God as you get an opportunity to experience it and speak it. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.